Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 15th of September, and my name is Helen Freer. The ECB announced an increase in interest rates yesterday. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague, Mike Rauber. And then with data out of China today, I'm going to be asking Karsten Menke what he thinks this means for industrial metals. And I'm also joined by Nicola Jordan this morning, who will update us on the latest news from the CIO office. But let's start with the market news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So I mentioned it at the beginning. The European Central Bank raised interest rates yesterday by 0.25% to 4%. And that's their 10th consecutive increase in the last 14 months. After the announcement, the ECB president, Christine Lagarde, she didn't categorically rule out further rate hikes. How was this all received, Mike? And yes, uh, certainly she did so. But the ECB in its communication also noted that if interest rates stayed at current levels, this may be sufficient to bring inflation down to its target of 2% over time. And most economists, and this is really the main takeaway, see the bar for further rate hikes now much higher as the central bank also sharply lowered its growth outlook for the eurozone economy. So for next year, the ECB now expects eurozone growth of just 1%, while only a few months ago expectations were for 1.5%. So in the market reaction, the prospects of an end to the hiking cycle were well received by European equities, with the euro stocks 50 up 1.3%. Eurozone government bond yields dropped, and the euro fell to 106.50 against the dollar. Now, just to put it in perspective, in mid-July, Euro-US dollar, the exchange rate was at over 112. And I see that there was also strong US economic data out, with retail sales rising by a much better than expected 0.6% on the month. Yes, absolutely. And I said before that the euro fell, but one could also say that there was some US dollar strength on the very good US retail numbers. And maybe to add, low initial weekly jobless claims also point towards a resilience in the U.S. labor market and the overall U.S. economy. And now with the U.S. central bank deciding on interest rates next week, the focus will be on today's U.S. industrial production and University of Michigan sentiment data. You know, Helen, any continued strengths in the data may open up prospects of investors reconsidering the prevailing view that the U.S. central bank will not raise rates any more in this cycle. So this certainly bears watching, I think, in the coming days. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, And the UK chip designer, Arm, had its IPO yesterday, which seemed to be a success. Fidelity reported that it had 20,000 purchase orders for the stock. Yeah, that's an incredible number, no? Uh, It's the biggest IPO of the year, and the stock was up not only 25% in regular trading, but is reported to be also 7% higher after hours. Now, this is valuing the company at nearly $70 billion. And now, of course, the company needs to prove that it can participate in the artificial intelligence boom and make its business grow again stronger. And, you know, with the positive retail sales numbers and the successful IPO of Arm, U.S. equities had a very strong day yesterday. All sectors in the S&P 500 gained. Um, The index itself was up 0.8%, and even the more cyclical small cap stocks gained. They were up an even greater 1.6%. And I see that stocks in Asia are also going up today on the stronger-than-expected data out of China. What's the story there? 
Yeah, so Asia investors are taking economic data releases out of China positively, also noting measures taken by the central bank recently. Now, this is fueling hope of some stabilization in the world's second largest economy. Shares in Hong Kong are higher by 1.6%, even as mainland shares are flat. The Chinese yuan is gaining and the Australian dollar is also up on demand hopes. And Brent oil is up to nearly $95 a barrel under better than expected China data, as this is also fueling the demand hopes for the black gold. So it was uh, reported that Chinese retail sales and industrial production both surprised to the upside as a summer travel boom and more stimuli gave a boost to economic activity. But just to add, it was not all rosy and property investment showed another decline for the year. And this really matters because real estate accounts for 30% of China's economy. I also saw a story that auto workers in the US went on strike at midnight. Can you tell us a bit more about this, Mike? Yes. Uh, so for the first time in its history, union members at the big three Detroit US car companies went on strike at the same time as they demand better pay and work conditions. This could mean that roughly a third of US auto production could come to a standstill. And of course, this could also show itself in boosting prices for some cars. And you know, Helen, all of this is happening in Michigan, a traditional battleground state in the US presidential elections, which are only 14 months away from roughly today. So I think the political significance of this uh, event cannot be underestimated. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. And anything else you wanted to highlight before we move on? Yes, it's actually the largest expiry date for US options tied to stocks, ETF in, and indices uh, ever, uh, with options having a notional value of 3.4 trillion US dollar expiring today. So traders will have to decide whether they want to enter into new positions or not. And this could create so quite some volatility in individual stocks. But for now, uh, the, U the US and European stocks are firmly in the green, it's, at least that's what the futures are showing. So let's hope that hol holds up. And uh, back to you, Helen. Great. Thanks very much, Mike, for the Thanks. interesting roundup this morning. Thank you. Now, Carsten, thanks for joining us, first of all, and good morning. Good morning, Helen. So I talked about it a bit with Mike already. China released economic data this morning, which the market interpreted rather positively with better than expected industrial production and retail sales. What's your take on the data? Well, yes, as, as always in life, it is important to focus on the positive things. Uh, so indeed, industrial production and retail sales were better than expected in August, which has lifted the mood also in the industrial metal markets with China traded aluminium, copper, iron ore and steel prices all up between 0.8% and 1.2% this morning. And in fact, industrial production has never really been a problem from the industrial metals market's perspective. The factories were kept open during last year's lockdowns and structural growth factors such as the energy transition have been very supportive for industrial manufacturers in China. Case in point is the solar industry and the car industry. So China recently became the world's largest exporter of cars driven by EVs. So where is the problem then for industrial metals? Is it the property market? Yes, it is a property market. So property prices continue to decline in August again amid slowing sales, while starts of new projects did not show signs, any signs of a pickup actually. They were hovering around the lowest levels in over a decade. 
Remember, we are seeing run rates in terms of property sales and starts that are up to 50%, 25 to 50% lower than the five-year average. And from my perspective, this is not so much about growth rates being a little bit higher, a little bit lower. This is about actual activity being much less than what the companies are used to and what they need in terms of revenues and cash flows. And what about infrastructure? Are there any signs of any stimulus measures there? No, not not really. So infrastructure investments are trending around the past five years averages, which supports our view of no major stimulus measures. And to be fair, I think it is quite difficult for the Chinese government to move the needle with infrastructure. This is simply because they have built so much in the past few years and the base is so high that growth rates are naturally lower than in the past. Okay, this doesn't sound very optimistic then. So what's your overall view on industrial metals? Well, from our point of view, the fundamental backdrop for the industrial metals is unchanged. Um, Bearing broad-based stimulus measures in the property and infrastructure sectors, which we believe are unlikely, Chinese metals demand should stay rather stagnant. The property market is facing significant structural headwinds, which will weigh on metals demand during the next few years. Hence, we remain most cautious on iron ore and steel, given those two metals' outsized exposure to property. And what about aluminium? I've seen that Chinese prices have been rallying since the summer. What's happening there? That's a good catch. Very interesting indeed. So we have seen a divergence between Chinese and international prices. The former is up around 7% since summer and the latter remained, well, rather range-bound, I would say. And in our view, this suggests that China is balancing its domestic market via international exports. And this export strength has been supported by this weakness of the yuan, which we've seen during the past few weeks and months, as it allowed Chinese aluminium producers to increase competitiveness in international markets. And as a result, the aluminium market's cost anchor outside China has come down, prompting us actually to lower our price projections, but we remain neutral on aluminium. Great. Thank you very much, Carsten. Good to speak to you this morning. Thanks very much. You're welcome. And last but not least, uh, Nicola, good morning. Good morning, Helen. So I want to ask you firstly, just generally, what do you make of what's been happening in the markets lately? Well, it has certainly been an interesting last couple of days, especially when it comes to economic data. Um, yeah, as Mike already gave us a nice roundup of the major developments earlier, I won't go into too much detail in terms of numbers. But what has become increasingly obvious to us recently is the sharp divergence in developments in the major economic regions. In fact, the three usual suspects, so the US, the Eurozone and China, are at three completely different points in the economic cycle. In the US, the disinflation progress is intact, while economic activity holds up better than expected. In the Eurozone, inflation is proving to be stickier, while economic activity is slowing faster than in the US. And finally, in China, deflationary rather than inflationary trends are a cause for concern, and economic activity has also mostly fallen short of expectations, despite of what we saw yesterday. So in this context then, what do you make of the ECB's rate hike yesterday? Well, we think they could be overdoing it, to be honest, as the economic picture in in Europe is pretty worrying. 
Economic growth in most Eurozone countries, especially in Germany, continues to surprise to the downside and commercial bank lending is falling sharply due to a significant decline in demand for private sector credit. However, at the same time, we of course acknowledge the tricky situation the ECB is in as inflationary pressures just remain too stubborn. On the inflation side, it could however be helpful that Chinese demand continues to be subdued which should ease pressure on prices somewhat. Okay, and speaking of China, the government there is still trying to support the property sector with some easing measures. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be enough to revive the economy? No, probably not, unfortunately. It's certainly a good sign that policymakers are taking action, and we have seen some positive news lately, but the problems are much more fundamental, as Carson also alluded to earlier. The pace of urbanization has slowed dramatically in recent months and as a result demand for housing appears to have peaked and is expected to decline by about 3% per year until 2035. As real estate is the dominant asset class on the balance sheets of most Chinese households, the continued downward pressure on property prices continues to reduce the private sector's willingness to invest and consume which is, of course, further fueling the domestic economic downturn. So in short, then, there isn't too much positive news outside the US. But are you sticking to your view that equity markets are going to move higher towards the end of the year? Well, indeed, the economic indicators are deteriorating. This is also not really surprising with everything that has been going on. However, we still think that the disinflationary path in the US and the strength of its economy will be able to carry the broad equity market higher. But first, we expect some more difficult weeks in September before the bull market then extends any further. That's it from my side. Back to you, Helen. Excellent. Thanks very much, Nicola. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week. I will be back on Monday talking to more of my colleagues about what is moving markets. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.